Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. It's so good to have you with me. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host on this podcast. I am so grateful that you have uh, been willing to give me some of your time today to explore another topic of discipleship. Now, today's topic is essentially on the topic of happiness and true contentment. So as disciples of Jesus, what is it that brings us happiness and contentment? Because what Jesus is wanting us to build happiness and contentment on is radically different to what the world is wanting us to build happiness and contentment on. And the truth of it is, my understanding or the the understanding that God is giving us as disciples of Jesus what happiness is, And what the world thinks happiness is can be fundamentally two very different things. So I want us to explore today this topic of happiness and contentment. And we're doing so knowing that we look at our lives through a filter that is cross-shaped or Jesus-tinted. We look at our lives from a different perspective, a different heavenly perspective to the perspective that is around us. Now, if you only understand the world uh, to be on this finite uh, level that we kind of live our lives on, on this horizontal uh, plane, uh, then you will see the world in a very particular way. You'll understand the world in a very particular way. It looks like it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. It looks like our lives have a beginning, middle and end. But when we look at our life through Christ and we see it from a heavenly perspective, uh, we see a life that is tied up with a bigger story, a bigger picture, a bigger community, a bigger uh, reality. We see a life that has a beginning, a middle and an end that then stretches off. Uh, into the future we have a eternal vision of life it's different uh, which means the way that we approach pre-death is is different to the way we approach um, pre-death if you don't have faith uh, I mentioned it in in a recent podcast a really good mate of mine passed away recently we were really good friends uh, he died of cancer uh, just over a, a year period and over uh, really the lockdown of of 2020 and into the 2021 this year uh, we've been watching him deteriorate his body is wasting away but what's really interesting inwardly he was being renewed and what's really amazing with this guy's life is that he loved Jesus he came to faith 30 or 40 years ago and he uh, went from being uh, homeless, uh, enjoying women, enjoying alcohol, uh, addiction uh, probably would be the language that we would use now and he went from that space to uh, encountering God, Jesus turning his life upside down, uh, experiencing the, the Holy Spirit And all of that just brought about a change in his life where he was living with this different trajectory. And even though he had cancer uh, right there, uh, he was living knowing the reality of Jesus in his soul, which means he knew what happened to his body was not the end. You know, he had a physical um, problem, but he he had a a spiritual life that was that was so uh, 
filled with prayer and, and love and grace and Jesus and hope. And, and even days before he passed away, uh, he and I prayed together. We had, we had communion together. And for him, he just had this, Jesus has me and it's all okay. Whatever happens, it will all be okay. So what is it that brings us contentment and happiness? Because for many people, when when we pass away, uh, it's hopelessness. It's hope has gone. Life has gone. Uh, but for a follower of Jesus, there is a hopefulness. There's a different trajectory of life that we cling on to uh, that is distinctly different to the way others see life around which means we can find hope and life and joy uh, in the smaller things, uh, the things that often get overlooked or not seen. We see hope and joy where there seems like there is no hope and joy. We find strength when it looks like there is no strength. Uh, so w- what is that? Where is that coming from? Um, what What is it? So that's what we're going to explore today. Um, yeah, so it's really, this is a podcast on modern life and happiness where we find happiness. So I hope you find this interesting and uh, we'll jump straight in with a story from Soren Kierkegaard. So let's jump straight in with a story from Soren Kierkegaard. This story he calls The King and the Maiden. I absolutely love it. It's a beautiful story. I want you to suppose uh, for a moment that there's a king who was in love with this humble maiden. The king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before his power. He was wise and powerful. He had it all. Uh, Nobody dared breathe a word against the king, uh, for he could crush them with his power and with his might. He held such authority. Yet this mighty king, his heart had been melted by the love of a humble maiden. He'd been traveling one day through his kingdom and he had seen this maiden. He had watched this maiden and his heart had been melted by this young handmaiden who lived in a very poor village in his kingdom. And he goes back to his throne room as he sits there. He thinks about this young maiden. His heart is aching for him. He wants to be with her and he wants her to be with him. But how could he declare his love to this maiden in a, in a really odd, strange sort of kind of way? Uh, His kindness tied his hands because this king realized that if he turned up, went from the palace and arrived at the door of this young maiden, crowned with his jewels, with his crown on his head, his scepter in his hand, his robes on his shoulders. If he arrived at her door as the king, he realized that she would not be responding to him. She would be responding to his power. She'd be responding to his money. He'd be responding to his wealth. She'd be responding to the fact that he was a king. She wouldn't love him because of who he was. She would love him probably fearfully because of who he was. And he realised with the kindness in his heart that if he turned up at her door with the full authority of the king, 
he would stand there and she would be responding to him not out of love but out of fear he wanted her to love him but she wouldn't love him she would love his position or what he held he knew that she would be fearful of him and that she'd probably nurse private grief for the life that she'd left behind because she was now kind of scooped up and enforced as a slave to come and live with the king in his kingdom she wouldn't be there because she wanted to be but because she'd been enslaved so he knows he couldn't do that that's just not going to work so he starts to think about what his alternatives are and he turns to one of his um, servants and says look what what would you suggest and the servant says look why don't we uh, go down to the forest cottage uh, with your royal carriage. Uh, we can turn up uh, with your carriage and with all of your servants around you. Uh, we could uh, turn up uh, with the military all around you. So she sees all of your military power and your military accomplishments. And she will love you because of what you've achieved with your military accomplishments. And then the king thinks about it for a moment and thinks, no, like if I turned up with all of my military power, she won't love me because of my accomplishments. She won't love me for the way that I've defended my people. She will not love me for the way that I've taken land back from those that have taken it from us. No, she won't love me for those reasons. She will love me because she is scared. She's scared of me because I've got the tank pointing at her door. There is no way she would love me like that, he thinks. See, this king wanted the handmaiden as a lover. He wanted her as an equal. He wanted her to forget that he was a king and he wanted her to simply fall in love with him for who he was. He wanted the handmaiden and himself to bridge that gulf between them with love, not because of anything else. He wanted her to come and fall in love with him as an equal and be made equal with him. He wanted her as a lover. The king is so convinced that there is nothing that he could do other than relinquish his throne. And he clothes himself as a beggar and he approaches the cottage wearing a worn cloak loose around him. Uh, Removing the crown and removing the scepter, he puts down his identity as king so that he could approach her and win her heart because of who he was. I love that story. The king did not want the handmaiden to uh, respond to him through fear, respond to him through worry, she wanted him, uh, he wanted her to respond to him with love. Uh, wanted that a handmaiden to receive him with happiness. In scripture, in John 1, it says this, the word became flesh and blooded and moved into the neighborhood. He saw the glory with, uh, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one and a kind glory, like father, like son, gracious inside out, true from start to finish. The story of the gospel is a story of a king who takes off his robes, takes off uh, the crown and moves into the neighborhood. The king wanted his young handmaiden's love. The king, King Jesus, 
wants your love. By putting on flesh and blood, he comes into the neighborhood. Not that you may have fear, dread, or pressure to love him, but that you would simply love him for who he is. The question for us is, you know, how are we going to respond? This response to this king is what will ultimately bring you uh, happiness and joy in your life. Responding to the love of the king is what's going to bring you love. We have created a God uh, we seek called happiness. Culture worships the altar of happiness. But this God that we worship at the altar of, this God only ever makes us miserable because this God is unattainable. When we seek happiness in our life as the biggest goal of our life, we are never content or happy. We always need the next thing to earn that happiness or gain that happiness. And once we are there, we realize it's not as good as we first thought. Happiness is a goal that is always moving. Uh, the God of happiness says things like this. You'll be happy when you have a beautiful family. You'll be happy when you get a pay rise. You'll be happy when you have health in your life. You'll be happy when you go on holiday. You'll be happy when you're married. You'll be happy when you've been shopping. This God of happiness says that you'll be happy when you have that new pair of shoes. God of happiness says that you'll be happy when you have a thousand followers or you'll be happy when your photo has been liked by 200 individuals or you'll be happy when, 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 when and the list goes on. The God of happiness, this goal of happiness is forever changing, forever moving and is unattainable. Uh, we'll never get there. Friends, you'll never be happy when you desire this romanticized life. When you think life is about seeking after a moment of happiness, a moment of joy, when it's about living in that place permanently, uh, you'll think that then, then, I'll, then I'll be happy, then I'll be content. I have friends in my life who are crippled, and this is true, okay? They're crippled because they are single and they have a hope for their life of being in a relationship. And what's really interesting is, and, and I feel their pain, I know the pain that they're going through because they, they desperately want to be in a relationship. But in their mind, they'll only be happy once they've fulfilled this. And what's happening is there's this bizarre cycle. They're not finding somebody to spend their life with because they are miserable by their singleness and they're miserable is making them unattractive to somebody else. And then they're back in this cycle of, of wanting to be in a relationship. They're not in a relationship, so they're miserable. And the miserableness is stopping them from attaining happiness because nobody wants to be with them because they're miserable. Unless we are happy and content with who we are, we, we're never going to find some of these other things that we think will make us happy what you know in other words what what do we need to find so we we are content and happy with life that if we are single or married if we have children or not if we get the pay rise or not we get the job we're longing for or we're not that we are happy and content with what we have 
rather than the thing that's just over the crest of the hill. If we could only just get there, then I'll be happy. And I want to just back what, what I've just said. I want to be really careful. If you are single and you long to be in a relationship, that longing to be in a relationship is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Uh, trust me. But if that is the God of your life, if that is the thing that you want to attain and you think one day you'll be happy when, I'm really sorry to tell you that married life is not that. Married life is hard work. Every single friend of mine that has been married uh, and is married will say, look, marriage is harder than you ever think. So we have to ask this question, how do I become content and happy with what I have right here, right now? And then whatever I find over the horizon is a win. But I'm content and happy if nothing ever changes. So the truth is, friends, as a society, we are deeply unhappy. Suicide has risen 67% since 2010 in young people. What? Suicide has risen 67% in, since 2010 in young people. We are deeply unhappy as a society because we are hungry, hungering for contentment and happiness in all the wrong places. Why did I share the story of Soren Kierkegaard and the king? There's a king that loves us, that wants to have a relationship with us, that will ultimately fulfill us. It's this fulfillment found only in Jesus and his love that will bring happiness and contentment. When we know the love of Jesus, we know him in our lives, then everything else is a bonus, is a win, is a pleasure or a joy or every problem or struggle finds its place in what is our ultimate foundation, and it's the love of this king that loves us. When we can understand the love of God, everything else, friends, will fall in place. Trust me. Um, when we know we are secure, that we are loved in him, then contentment and happiness is found there, and everything else then is just sweetness and, and life on top of and beauty on top of that. As a society, we don't know that love. Therefore, we are hungry for something. We end up with a hole in the depths of our being and we simply can't make ourselves content. The more we want and consume, the more we realise we simply uh, cannot fulfill this deep unhappiness that's deep down in us. The more we put in, the more the black hole seems to grow because it's not the thing that we are hungry for. We need something else. Suicide is most likely in those connected with substance abuse, debt, or, or, um, or high wealth. And it's the high wealth one that I find really interesting. Um, so suicide, let me say that again, suicide is most likely connected with substance abuse, debt or wealth. So substance abuse and debt, I, you know, you can understand that, can't you? Because that's about actually I'm in such a mess. I just want a way out. I'm trapped in something. I just need a way out. Wealth, like on the other hand, is very different because wealth, you're like, well, surely they can buy themselves into happiness. They can consume themselves into happiness. They can have whatever they want with that money. That resource means that they can attain anything. But what we realize is 
actually wealth is isolating. Wealth leaves us realizing that there's nothing more than fickle in friendships and love. Uh, that wealth actually does not buy happiness. It buys stuff that leaves us more hungry. As a society, as a society, we have never been so wealthy. And at the same time, we have never been so miserable. We might say, I love my family. I love my kids. I love my friends. I love spending time in creation. But at some point, these all get robbed from us and we are left with nothing but ourselves. And it's in this place of being left with ourselves that we realize that we are deep down miserable unless we have found this love of Jesus, this love that really gives us the foundation for our lives. What makes us unhappy is what we know is really in us. If we are honest, we know that we are uh, we are fully unwell in our souls. We know that in our souls that we are fully not okay. And we're looking for a fix to the very thing in ourselves and we can't find it. And it's only in this love found in the King that we'll ever uh, experience full contentment. In the introduction, I was talking about my friend, my friend who... Uh, ran the race to get the prize right until the end he was after Jesus praying interceding longing for the spirit seeking out Jesus trusting Jesus right in those last days yes he was scared of what was coming he'd never experienced death before why wouldn't he but in that place he had true contentment and happiness because he knew that he was in Jesus's hands so happiness is what you build your life on, not what you build your life from. Happiness is Jesus. And it's that Jesus that we build our lives on. Happiness is not what we build our lives from. True happiness is being content in our own skin, at peace with ourselves and the world, ultimately because we are building it on Jesus. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to come and take away your happiness, your contentment and your dreams. The evil one wants to prowl around stripping you of happiness. He wants to strip you of the joy of your salvation. He wants to strip you from the joy of who Jesus is. The thief wants to rob you of joy and happiness. And Jesus says, I have come to give life. I have come to give life to the fullest, the richest, deepest content joy Jesus comes to give life and happiness and contentment the evil wants to come wants to come and strip it from you uh, John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever accepts Jesus will not be left with a hole in the depths of their being will not be living life lost in the dark you know, God sends his son so that we'll be not living in a pain of past choices. We'll not be living life with disappointments. We'll not be discontent, but have a life that is happy, content and everlasting based on the love of Jesus. That's what will bring us true happiness. So if you want to experience true happiness only found in Jesus, here's three things. Let go of any sense of, of being entitled in life. I'm entitled to have. Entitlement will always leave you miserable. I'm entitled to have dot, dot, dot. 
will always leave you miserable. I'm entitled to the pay rise. I'm entitled to having a partner with life. I'm entitled to live in this place or do that thing. Entitlement will make you miserable. Uh, so let go of any sense of entitlement. Second, accept that you are accepted by God. Okay, listen to this. You are okay. You are accepted. You, my friend, you, yes, you listening, you are loved. You are enough. You are cared for and God's grace is sufficient for you. You're all right. You're accepted. You're loved. You are enough. The cross of Jesus is God's acceptance of you and I. Because the cross, in the cross, we need nothing else. The cross is where we experience the most profound, amazing love of God. If we base our lives on that, then whatever life throws at us, we will find happiness and contentment. And the third thing I'd say is this. Thirdly, if you've experienced the love and grace of God, then if you want to experience happiness, share it. Share and lavish God's grace on others. Point your life towards others if you want to be content and happy and joy-filled in your life point your life away from yourself towards others our acceptance in God means we now can live with joy in our lives and therefore God has modeled real contentment to us so we get to do the same with others what uh, this is what will bring you true happiness now, pointing your life towards others, showing them the love that you've based your life on, showing them the grace that you have received from him. So you don't need more from God or from life to be content and happy. As long as you accept the love of Jesus and base your life on that, then everything else is just a win. Everything else is just worked out. Everything else is found in its proper place because we've based our life on the love of God. Friends, I pray today that you may recognise where you have based your life on love and when you've based your life on seeking happiness in a modern uh, cultural way. I pray that you might see the difference between the two and recognize that God has so much more for you and I. If we could only base our lives on the love of Jesus, then everything else will find its proper place. I pray you find that helpful. I pray that that inspires you. And I pray that it makes you think about what you may need to change. And until next time, grace and peace. <laughs>